In the fast-paced world we live in, finding moments of stillness and self-reflection can be a rare luxury. Here in TIK Radio, The Lay Show with the Moon is a supportive show, an empathic environment for sharing, listening, and connecting with others on a deep emotional level. It is like your sanctuary for mindfulness, personal growth, and thoughtful exploration. Join us in this welcoming sanctuary where vulnerability is celebrated and authenticity. The show is where real people share their real experiences, thoughts, and feelings. Our mission is to foster empathy, inspire resilience, and create a sense of community in a world that sometimes feels disconnected. TIK Radio aims to provide a supportive and inclusive platform where people can openly express themselves and share their experiences. We would like to build a sense of community through the power of storytelling. Hello? Monica Susana. Hello? TRK Radio. Welcome to TRK Radio. Hey, TIK Radio community, today's episode is proudly sponsored by BetterHelp. Because taking care of your mental health is just as important as hitting the gym. Starting therapy can be challenging, and that's why BetterHelp is here to make it easier for you. Whether you prefer phone calls, video chats, or messaging, BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist tailored to your comfort. With over 30,000 therapists in their network, you'll have access to a diverse range of expertise. Right at your fingertips, just fill out a quick questionnaire, and in most cases, you'll be matched with your therapist within 48 hours. And what's great? Well, you can schedule sessions at your convenience, and if your first match doesn't feel quite right, no worries. Switch to a new therapist and no additional cost. Join the 4 million people who've taken a step towards a healthier, happier life with BetterHelp. Visit www.betterhelp.com slash TIK Radio. And as a special offer for our TIK Radio listeners, you'll get 10% off your first month of therapy. Remember, Your mental well-being matters. Thanks to BetterHelp for supporting TIK Radio and Mental Matter on TIK Radio. Hello? Monica Susana. Hello? TIK Radio. Can you hear us? 
So I've taken the microphone out. However, I think you're going to have feedback your side, are you? No, you're good. You're good. Yeah, oh. you're better now. Oh, cool. Okay. And there's no feedback to you guys, no? I, th- I think you're good. I, ho- I hope it doesn't start back up. Okay, cool. Cool. Um, yeah, just interrupt me if it does get a bit funny. Um, but no, I just wanted to quickly touch on what um, I think you said, Jeff, um, what you were saying there on sometimes, um, and I, I'm a big advocate of this, is a lot of people do not have time to reflect and therefore is 100 miles an hour. And without reflection, we don't get any direction. And I think it's important that we do take on each other's views, either even if you disagree with that view, but that's how you come to a medium. And it's a bit like uh, marriage. If there's no compromise, then you're not going to get anywhere. And that's, that's what's happening in society right now, is unfortunately everybody thinks, well, that's not working, I'm going to bin it, and I'm going to move on. There's that consumer entitlement attitude that a lot of people, unfortunately, do seem to have. Um, a lot of it obviously derives from social media, but I think it's important that teaching children as they're growing up to put their devices down and to go for a walk and enjoy their surroundings and get fresh air and to open up a dialogue where if people disagree with what you're saying, it doesn't mean that they hate you. It just means that they've got a point of view. And I think that's exactly what I wanted to just call in and just put my bit in there, really. I hope that makes sense. I think that was pretty um, astute and very well said. Um, And what I was really trying to get at earlier is coming to the middle for me personally is that's where we have an opportunity to lower our shields and and we don't have to necessarily, you know, agree, you know, at the end of the day, but open up your mind enough to consider the other point of view. You know, it's about consideration, just consider it in it when you're done considering then you can make your decision but if you're not even willing to consider the other side yeah then you're blocked yes i agree with both yes exactly you're off yeah and, and, I-, and that will, I think that will ultimately lead to humanity's demise if we don't watch out Well, the problem is that we are supposed to be built on being democratic in order, you know, building a democracy. But unfortunately, if it's not bred into young, young, young little people who are growing up, who are going to be the next generation. And all they are saying is, or all they see in our media and everything else is, well, you don't agree with what I'm saying. So actually I hate you. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. the end of the story. And next thing, it brings on anxiety. It brings on depression. Mm-hmm. Uh, exactly. Depression. Mm-hmm. It really has a negative effect on everything that we're doing. And it's exactly the same with like with friendships. My my granddad, uh, 
brilliant guy, no pass, but he used to say to me that, how many friends have you got? Because I was pretty popular in school. And I said, oh, I've got a 100 friends and blah, blah, blah. And he said, no, actually, he said, throughout life, he said, I'm not putting you down here. It's good that you want to socialize. He said, but throughout life, he said, friends are like diamonds. They're very hard to find. And he said, you won't find that out until you grow a little bit when someone can tell you the truth and you can take it on board because you know it's coming from a good place. He said, you will not be able to count on your hand proper friends. And it's really turned out so true. <laughs> I was just going to say that. I agree, yes. <laughs> if I could, if I, I mean, I might have, I might have five good friends on my hand. I might. Yeah. I think um, I do. But there was a time in my life where I thought I had a couple hundred. Yeah. But then yeah. I realized they weren't friends, they were acquaintances. Exactly. <laughs> totally true. Exactly. Totally true. Uh-huh. And um and that's the that because another thing that I like to do is with all of the friendships I did have in the past from my best friends who I went on holiday with and things like that, how many of them can you actually trust with your wife, your life, and your children? And then that will really give you a good understanding of whether they are true friends or not. That's, that's a good, exactly. That's a good one. And when you, when you, when you, when you know you have someone like that, it's a gift from God. It definitely is, and you should very much... It's, it's a contract, and the contract states that in this contract, we're going to do a deal, and in that deal is I'm always going to have your back, you're always going to have my back, but we're always going to be truthful, and that's that's the biggest word there is the truthful side of it because a lot of people will just blow smoke up your backside, and it's the wrong type of smoke. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And when we have our ups and our downs, we don't turn our backs on each other. No. Um, for instance, if you lose your wallet, but your so-called friend finds it, but they take that 10, let's, are you guys in America? So let's call it 10 bucks. The last 10 bucks out of the back, but then hand you the wallet. That isn't a good friend. <laughs> no. No. Um, we have a saying called fair weather friends. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. Can you, can you elaborate? You know, as long as the weather's fair, they're your friends. But when the <laughs> storm comes, they flee. Love it. Love it. And I've got another good saying. Um, and actually, this was part of from my family, which, again, can cause toxic relationships and that distrust. My grandfather also told me as I was growing up, he said, the good analogy I want to give you here is if you play in a farmyard, you're going to get covered in shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so don't play in a farmyard. Wow. Hey, um, I grew up on, uh, tw- well, about, 1,200 acres of northern Indiana farmland. And we had uh, 50 50 head of black Angus cattle. 
And my brother and I every night had to go throw hay bales into their troughs so they could eat. And I had my, uh, I had my muck boots on and I had manure on the bottom of them. And I said, Hey, watch me. And I was walking, I was walking the fence, the wooden fence. And, uh, I slipped. And I went straight down, one leg on one side, one leg on the other. And my stepdad happened to walk in and he said, I bet that split your personality, didn't it? (laughs) (laughs) I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, I grew up with a lot of animals and, uh, I got a lot of, you know, a lot of respect. Well, I, I guess um, from your point of view then, so, well, we all know what animals are and what they do, but if you look at the animal kingdom itself compared to the human race, at least you know what an animal is going to do. Uh-huh. If, if you study zoology, there. yes. There's an honesty there. Like, you know what a cow is going to do. You know if you go into a field and there's a bull there, you know what he's going to do. There's a lion. You know what they're going to do because they, they're so upfront and honest about it. As we're, unfortunately, you will find along the journey, and don't get me wrong, this isn't everyone because I, I think there's a lot of good people out there, but unfortunately a lot of people are very quick to deceive another person in order to get the upper hand. And it's very sad. Yes, it is. Well, that's that's known as a coercive nature. It very much is, sir. It very much is. And we've become a coercive society. Yeah. And another thing that I really disagree with as well is, um, especially coming from the background of which I'm trying to prevailing is people are so quick to label people. I mean, I, I was talking to some lady the other night and it was, it earlier. <laughs> oh, was you was you saying this earlier? Wasn't I talking about labels, Monica? That's right. It's like wow. synchronicity here. <laughs> well, I gotta be honest, it's um it's an actual disgrace to society to go labeling people when you don't even know who that person is or you don't know their story and you definitely don't know their neurological makeup. Um, it's just, they're very quick to turn around and say, Ooh, oh, you must be a manipulator. You're a narcissist. You're this. You're... Hang on. He's just a regular guy. That's all. Exactly. It's just you don't believe in what he's saying. And, 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 and the old... The old analogy is you've never walked a mile in their shoes. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. And there's this thing where a lot of the, the, the previous, in my very early training days was um, we had to understand ACEs and that's adverse child experiences. And without that, you might know this person as an adult and what they're saying. You have no idea what they've been through in adolescence. No idea. So to turn around then and call them this, that, and the other, 
to me, well, it just goes to show how uneducated some people can really be. And it's hard, you know, because it, it, it goes... You don't, have, you don't have to go to university to understand that. You just have to have a heart. You just have to have common sense. Heart and heart and mind. Common yes. sense and a decent heart. And you need to take time to consider and contemplate. And you know what? You can be a good human being. Everybody has it in them to be a good human being. It takes, as you said, it takes common sense. It takes empathy. It takes... It takes, actually, do you know what? It takes a lot of courage for people to be true to themselves, never mind someone else. So that's where they've got to start. Within, yeah, within ourselves, exactly. Starts from inside to outside, not from, you know, outside to inside. Like you were saying, Jeff, you, you, you receive what you give, right? Yes, you, um, you, you get what you give. Oh, you get what you give. Yes. Uh-huh. I totally, I, I get that. Like on the school run, for instance, and we done this, I done this whole report thing on it because I thought it was very interesting is how many people will actively smile at me this morning. There was one out of around about 50 people, mums and dads. I then thought, okay, next week, I'm going to make a conscious effort to go out of my way to look at them and smile. And the figures went up dramatically. Now, I'm not saying they wanted to be friends. I'm not saying they wanted this. But what I'm saying is, is you are right, is I gave a smile, hoping to get a smile back. And out of 50 people, let's say, there was about 25 people who did engage. As where when I didn't smile, one person did. Wow. I think you just gave me the title of something I want to write. That's that's very yes. That's was I was thinking about it too. You know, because I it, it it happens. You know, we're so um, distracted that we don't even take care of those little things. You know, that they could make a difference. And I, I like you said, how many times you smile to people? How many times you talked or ask how? everyone's doing you know because we're so distracted we're so into me 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 that you know we don't take that time well as you know one of the little things i do and i call them little things um like when i go to the convenience store when i'm getting gas for my car and i have to go in and um pick something up usually some water or whatever. Um, I'll, I know that most people want to beat the people to the door that are coming in behind them. I open the door and let them pass. That's great. (laughs) So good to hear. So good to hear. Um, that led me on actually to, and I, I, this was before I'd done anything to do with uh, thing, but I always used to feel a bit odd. I always used to look out and I think, why can't that person see that they're harming that other person? And I always had manners and respect for people. And the one day, 
Manners. 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 That's another See? thing. Yes. <laughs> and and you know what I say to my children on a regular basis? How much do manners cost? I mean, literally. Uh-huh. Come on. Manners cost absolutely nothing. nothing. So exactly. get your head out of your ass and thank someone. But they're 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 golden though. They're very much golden. They are the most valuable thing that we actually have, in my belief. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was helping this older lady, well, I wanted to, to cross the road. And she was petrified. I was around about 19 years of age. And she was more scared of me helping her than she was the actual traffic. And I looked at her and I said... It's okay, I'm just going to carry your bags to the other side because this road's busy, there's no traffic lights or anything, let me just help you. And she'd done it, but I could see she was very, very cautious. And then at the end, I put her bags down the other side and I said, I don't want to intrude because I understand, you know, you, you might not want me to go to your property. If you want me to carry on the rest of the way, I will. However, I'm glad that you're over the road safely. And she just looked at me in bemusement and she said, thank you, there's not a lot of gentlemen left. And I was like, oh, wow, okay. And I'm 18, so that was a massive boost to my thing. But, it, you know, and I think of that even today, you know, just just that bit of humility, you know. Huge impact, yeah, in your life, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's great. And with everybody, like, Years and years ago, being homeless and losing things and everything else, um, and seeing the, the the type of road people can go down, um, it really did open my eyes to be passionate about understanding. And I think a lot of people just want to be heard. It's just they don't have the right way of communicating their voice. And they quickly, all of a sudden, they're stereotyped. You might have someone turn around and say to you, well, I am a, I am a drug addict. I've been on drugs for 10 years. This Some person will straight away stereotype that person. That's and I didn't correct. Want to do that. Yes, uh-huh. I wanted to sit back. I wanted to open my ears. Another saying my granddad used to tell me is, a clever man has open ears. And I want to listen to this guy's story because knowing his history, hopefully we can aid his future. We need discernment, and discernment comes from having ears to hear and eyes to see. Exactly. Yeah. And also, I had a, you have to be I mature enough day. to recognize it, you know, because then you, sometimes you're in this phase of uh, the, the maturity of uh, understanding, you know, what is the core values or going back to, you know, the basics. And that, that comes from, you know, you need to be mature enough to understand and, and see that part of your, of your life, you know, cause it's sometimes if you're not mature enough, you're not going to understand the discernment, you know? And, no, and I absolutely love that point there because it's so important. This is what I try to instill in a lot of people that I work with is core values, Brilliant. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and how are they instilled in people nowadays? Or have they forgotten them? I think 
I, I don't think, did they have him in the first place? That's the problem. Um, you know, is sometimes, they, they call it monkey see, monkey do. Yeah. If one person is being brought up in an environment where you treat a woman like crap, then that, that little boy is going to grow up thinking, well, that's how it is. Or if you don't thank people for any generosity or just for being nice, then they're not going to have manners. They're not going to have core values. So unfortunately, although it's very difficult at the beginning, um, or fortunately, I should say, it's very difficult at the beginning to install these core values in somebody who is now turning 20 and decided, oh, I've made the wrong turn and I've been in prison for over a year because I've done this. You can build core values with people, but it can be a very exhausting uh, period of time. That's well, correct. As a human being, it's fair to say, in my opinion, that we can all make bad choices. And, and in certain circumstances, sometimes you can make a really bad choice. And that can land you incarcerated. And then you are, again, what we call labeled. And then you're in the system, and then you really got to watch how you move about in society, you know, and you're up against it. You're up against the wall. And it's, it's, you know, they say life's not fair, which is true. Um, but there's a way to work around it. And the more, I mean, you'll have to fight it with the, by doing more good, you know, it's call it a penance, I guess. I don't know. It needs to be in your heart. Um, we're all fallible is the thing. Mm -hmm. So there are certain things that, I mean, you know, the bad, bad crimes, uh, you know, the, uh, you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, I am. Um, I I totally get what you mean. I think there needs to be. Um, there's no good in just putting someone in prison without any form of therapy or any. Th not even not even just therapy. Yeah, some people do need it, and that's where I come in. Happy days, but they need direction, and I, there is pointless uh -huh. putting a load of people in prison to say, right, you've now got two years because you've done this, you've done that. Deal with it. Use your bread in the morning. No, you gave them a purpose. What are they going to do when they get out? How have they looked at business? How have they looked at their career? How have they looked at their relationships? And then you build that human from within again in order to bring, as you said, everyone has got a heart somewhere. You try to bring that heart out of them in order for them not to go back in there. Because you do see a lot of people, unfortunately, in a cycle. They get incarcerated, they do a bit of time, they come back out, and then they're reoffending again. 
You need to prevent that from happening by instilling core values and manners and a purpose into someone's life. And I think I, it's I, learned, I, yeah. It's part of the learning. Mm -hmm. Well, they call it the Department of Corrections. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good call. <laughs> They're not correcting anything. They're just punishing. Yeah, that's not correctional. Yeah, exactly. You know, no, no, punishment, punishment, you have what's, well, there's a great book. I don't know if anyone's ever read it. It's a big book. It's called Crime and Punishment. And it's a, it's, it's a big book, uh, but... It really delves into how the judicial system works. And this book was written a long time ago, but it holds true today. And pretty much the system that is in place in this country right now, um, and it just depends on your locale, all right? Uh, in the urb, uh, urban or... Um, where I'm from is, is rural in the rural areas. It's worse. I mean, they throw the book at you, uh, for minor infractions because that's how they make their money. And it's just really ridiculous. Hmm. And then they wonder, you know, you know, they, they put them in jail for two, three, four months. And, and then they're hanging out with other people that have done worse. And they get to be friends with them. Yeah. yeah out learning. <laughs> the mental health is not, you know. <laughs> they come out learning how to even be worse criminals. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I love, yeah, that's so true. Um. And, and another thing that's quite scary, actually, and I, I've seen this firsthand because uh, three of the children affected um, had therapy from myself. And without going into names and stuff, obvious reasons, but there's the youth correctional facility. <laughs> I, yeah, the correctional side of things is absolutely crazy. Um, but they call this thing called Borstal. And these children are sent there at a young age, because they've done nasty things or what's perceived as nasty things or what could lead to nasty things. And what was crazy was there was a big scandal over here that these children were actually getting abused. Now, I'm not being funny. How, how can you install good values in somebody of, say, a 13-year-old boy or a girl when... The person in there who's supervising exactly. is out of order. Now, what type of message are you sending to that person? What trauma are you causing that little person? And what type of person are they going to be as they get older? It's now, it's, yeah, it's a collective it, thing. I'm bad and I'm going to be bad. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And that's um, how I, I solve that. things, you know. It's, it's, a, it's a learning process and it's collective, yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, I, the I'm, last thing, I'm bad and I'm going to be worse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the last thing that you want any any child to be in is 
they're in an environment where their parents literally treated them like dogs. They've gone out and they've done something wrong. They go to a facility where, yes, they're having a bit of punishment, but hopefully the right guidance so they understand what it's going to be like going into adulthood. But that person who's teaching you what it's going to be like going into adulthood is being out of line and crossing boundaries you're causing more trouble to that little one than before they went in there. True. Well, I'm going to go ahead and tell you guys, I was incarcerated earlier this year. Oh, wow. How, how was your experience? How was the toast? Well, um, it was kind of messed up, of course. Um, I was staying in a motel up in LaGrange, up near the Michigan line, Indiana-Michigan line. And um, I'd been sober for quite a while. And a kid from high school, uh, well, gosh, we're in our 50s now. But uh, he knocked on my door and he came in and he handed me a pint of West Virginia moonshine. Now, I don't know if you know anything about West Virginia moonshine, but it is like, it's 160 proof. Wow. Rocket fuel. Yeah. And it's smooth. And I knew I shouldn't have drank it. And I sat it on the nightstand because my brother's, uh, birthday was coming up and I was going to give it to him. And cause I've been through rehab twice and about an hour went by and I thought, you know what? I better sample it and make sure it's okay. <laughs> and I'd gone down to the motel room to extend for another week, but they had a sign in the window that said they were uh, cleaning rooms. And it was an Indian couple from India. And uh, I went back again while I was continuing to drink this high-octane fuel. And then finally I just gave up. They had my credit card on file I had cash in my wallet and I got pretty far deep into that court and I passed out and blacked out next thing I know there's beating on the door so it woke me up and I was on my feet and I'm, I'm a bigger guy. I'm ex-special ops in the military, and it was dark in my room, and it was still pretty light outside, and there was a lot of light coming in behind the four figures that were coming in the room. I didn't know they were sheriff's deputies. Mm-hmm. And... They said something about trespassing, and they just came at me. So I just started tossing these dudes, you know? Uh-huh. 
uh, I tossed them all over the place. So they finally, the four of them finally got me down and cuffed me and they put me in solitary in LaGrange County jail for seven days. I was in a cell by myself for seven days with nothing. I mean, nothing. I had a stainless steel toilet, uh, a stainless steel sink, a blanket, and a really crappy mat to sleep on. And I was in there for seven days. Wow. And then they moved me to a block. So I did 25 days and went to my court appearance. And I've got no no record, you know. I I'm I'm a I'm a combat uh, veteran that's done the shit, you know. Um, got a couple medals and whatnot, and uh, you know, you just can't, you know. And I told you about the labels mm-hmm. of the PTSD yes. and uh-huh. all the app, you know, and. You know, I tried to tell the judge, you know, I I couldn't I couldn't see who they were. I didn't they just rushed at me. And they got me for resisting arrest. So they didn't get me for assaulting a police officer. Um but they did get me for resisting arrest and I'm I'm going to beat it with time served. I've just got a cop to drunk and disorderly. But, um, I take, you know, I take accountability because, um, I knew I shouldn't have cracked that moonshine. Mm-hmm. And if I, would, if I wouldn't have done that, nothing would have happened. Right. Nothing would have happened. So, you know, live and learn. And after that, it what was your um your process do you cuz I I kind of understand that, you know, the if you wouldn't, you know, do that, nothing would have happened, you know, but I'm trying to understand in inside your mind how you were treating yourself after that event? Well, two days before, um, unfortunately, I got some bad news. Um, Someone that I used to deploy with, um, he decided he didn't want to be on the earth anymore. I'm sorry. And I was struggling with that because I I never saw him as someone that would do that. Okay. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, I was alone in a motel room and... Some the devil came knocking at my door and handed me moonshine and took off. It was 
I think, um, first and foremost, my condolences there with your, uh, with your buddy. But with, uh, with respect, yeah, it's good you take ownership with your side of it because that's very important. However, unfortunately, the law enforcement did not carry out the due diligence and provide the service of which they should do. And that's being pie informative because being like that's psychology and you're informed of their environment pie. And if you've got some guy or some female, whoever it is, you're bursting through their door and they're passed out on the floor or they're sort of coming around because of all of the commotion. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, what they haven't done is they haven't done their due diligence in being psychologically informed with your environment. And when it then went to putting you into um, solitary for seven days is very excessive, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, they should have held you, yes, because they should have questioned you and they should have been more informed of the whole environment and the whole situation and what was going on. Now, taking accountability for previous, yeah. However, everyone's entitled to a bit of freedom. So if you decide, me, for instance, I've never had a problem with drink, but if I decide that I want to go and open up a bottle of, I don't know, whiskey or whatever it is, a bit of tipple, and I decide that I'm going to keep drinking and then all of a sudden, oh, I've had too much, I pass out. That doesn't mean that I'm entitled, that I should be put into solitary confinement for seven days. I get that you did, um, put up a fight and you resisted arrest. However, if they were informed of your environment and they understood the bigger picture, they would see that actually you were in, you got flight or fight mode. Yeah, everybody knows. You were in fight mode. Exactly. And it was reacting. From, it was when reacting. You're that, uh-huh. you're that drunk, from, when you're um, that drunk, your mind is reduced to your animal brain, which is not just fight or flight. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's you're 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 reduced. I mean, it's. I mean, you either. But what happens there? And it's, my language here. But you either want to do one of two things. <laughs> and the thing is, if they just would have came in and turned the lights on and said, Jeff. Yes. Pay your bill. And yeah. I I would have said, I've been down there three times today and they've been out cleaning rooms. Right. The benefit of the doubt. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's being psychologically informed of your environment, and that's what they failed on. Exactly. Everybody's entitled to have a drink. And yourself, you've already clearly stated that you're X-Forces, so you're also trained as well in fight or flight in this point of... Survival. You, uh-huh. Survival if, if mode, think, yes. Exactly. And if you're in a certain situation or if you feel threatened in any way, what an ex-service guy is going to do is he's going to go into fight mode. They don't know what flight is, most of them, because they have trained to fight. So 
absolutely. I mean, the only is on men. Well, I couldn't even see because the light was coming in behind them. It's yeah. like if if you're going to take a picture of somebody, you always make sure the sun's shining on them, not from behind them, because they're yeah. too dark, and my room was dark. So I didn't know they were law enforcement. No, and, and obviously you was intoxicated as well, which disorientates you. Very intoxicated. Very, uh-huh. So it was not, they, uh-huh. they're not being, They're obviously it's, not being um, slightly informed of your environment, and that's a major failing. Major, yeah, I part. agree with you. And you know those four guys came and saw me in my second day of solitary? Wow. They opened up the door, and the lead officer, he was trying to be cool with me and told me, hey, your bail's $205. And I said, can I get my debit card? No. You can't bail yourself out. And I had already burned up my one phone call. Oh. Why? Sorry, I don't know if this is ignorance on my part, being in the UK with how it works in your place, but why couldn't you bail yourself out? You're not allowed to. Really? No, because I don't know what the deal is. Right. They, they said you can't bail yourself out. Hmm. And it's different in different counties. Yeah, in different states, in right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All, all, all the 50 states have different laws. Yeah. You're in the UK? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Got a really top-notch psychology department. If it was Cambridge, I'd know. Okie dokie. Cambridge is Cambridge. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, I like that, um, yeah. It's, it's like um, here. Yeah, it's rather good there. Yeah, Cambridge is uh, quite a quite a university. It is. But uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure. What, but hey, you know what? They're they're chasing their dream and they're beautiful and they're smart and I just worry about them over there, um, you know. Yeah. It was just like yesterday when they were my little girls that used no. to, <laughs> you know, the two of them used to strangle me, you know, around my neck and yeah, sniffling love, eh? <laughs> But uh, they're like, Daddy, you got to come over here. And I'm like, well, we'll see. <laughs> Maybe I will. Yeah, try and do it um, around July and August. The weather's a bit better. <laughs> right, now yeah. it's the weather. right now it's cold? Um, it's a bit chilly today and raining as usual. Yeah. I see. How many kids do you have? Uh, I have four myself. Four, wow. <laughs> That's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Keeps what are, what are their ages? Uh, my eldest is, she's now 18, and yeah, getting on with her life. Um, see her regular, which is still nice, obviously. we got a good bond. 
And then that was from a previous relationship. And now I've got three other children and one is 14. That's my boy. Um, then I got another daughter who is 12 and a boy who is five. Oh, wow. And that's wow, that, that's a spread. Society. <laughs> 18 to 5. That's that's like uh like the bonus, right? <laughs> well, the, the the first one, uh my daughter bless her who's 18, uh obviously from a previous relationship, so that didn't go to plan. And then I met who is now my wife and we've been together for 16 years and um yeah, we had three lovely children together, so all good. They're asking you, Radio Parlesque. Hi, how you doing, Radio Parlesque? Uh, he's asking if your girls still call you daddy. <laughs> that annoyed me until I had a daughter. <laughs> oh, yeah, they still call, my, my daughters still call me daddy. Yeah? Okay. Well, my, they still call me daddy. My 12-year-old, she's got a sense of humor because... I always wind her up because I think it's good that if she can have banter with her dad, anyone else who calls her names or if she's in a dispute with anyone, it doesn't really affect her. So she calls me, um, she calls me Papa. She calls me the old git, the old man. She goes, Dad, Papa, Daddy, whatever she decides on that day, that's what she'll call me. So, yeah. Uh, and normally her sentence starts with, Dad, you know I'm your princess. And then I'm like, oh, my bank's empty. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, so um, I was telling uh, Monica earlier that uh, my, my grandpa was a World War II veteran. And he was over there in England and France and Germany. And, um, anyway, he died just a couple years ago at 95 and, uh, and it wasn't from COVID either. He died in his sleep. Couldn't we all be so lucky? Um, but, uh, anyway, uh, he did our genealogy and I was telling Monica that my last name's white and he spent 15 years and one thing he gave me was a stack of documentation that took our bloodline back to William White of Wales that rounded up the pilgrims that boarded the Mayflower and headed to Pilgrim Rock or Plymouth Rock and uh, wow, the first child that was born in the New World it was actually born it's sea, but they considered it the first child born in the new was of our bloodline. Wow. So I, I told the girls, I said, you know, they got a lot of strong bloodlines over there. Do you need to be proud of yours? <laughs> yeah, sure do. And what's funny is that's, that's where I live is Wales. Um, you live in Wales? Yeah, oh, living wow. Wales. See, I'm telling you, Jeff, this is synchronicity. Oh, wow. Wales <laughs> is ancient Celtic. Ancient Definitely. Celtic. Yep, I'm proud. Can you speak Welsh? I can, yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
Now that that's a heck of a dialect. It, it sure is because what you realize is actually the English language is sometimes a bit backwards, but because we got taught English as it is, we think it's normal. But actually, when you look into Mandarin or Chinese or French or Welsh, actually the English language is so mixed up from Latin and all the rest of it uh-huh, that uh-huh. a lot of it's jargon. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm Welsh, brother. Well, respect to you, mate. <laughs> respect. <laughs> May I mate. have your first name? Yeah, Jay. Jay. Okay, Jay. Nice meeting you. My name is Monica. I, I don't think we introduce. <laughs> oh, thank you, Monica. I cannot yeah, believe you're from Wales. Yeah, and obviously, Llewellyn. That is a Welsh name. That's my second name. Oh. Wow. So. The surname White is in you. You know, there's Whites in Wales, right? Yeah, yeah. And a lot of them are spelled W Y H or W H Y T E. That's correct. Yeah. Ain't that Wales, something? Wales is uh, is a beautiful country. It really is. Um, I'm not just saying that because I live here. Because I can move. All over the world, if I want to. However, apart from the grey days and the rainy days, some of the coastline that whales do have, and the mountains and the people. Um, yeah, I, I, I am really proud of my little country. Um, unfortunately, we are run by England, obviously, and. It's a shame because a lot of people then say, "Oh, you're English." No, I'm not English. I'm British, mm-hmm. but I'm Welsh, and there is a very big difference. It, it was it was funny when I asked my 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 grandpa, my grandfather. You know, because the last name White that can be from anywhere over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like so. What are we, English? He goes, well, believe it or not, we're Welsh. Yeah. Welsh, huh? And he goes, not only that. (laughs) And then he he had traced our bloodline all the way back to William White. It's brilliant, isn't it? Brilliant. Yeah, and then he told me I'm I'm the seventh firstborn son going back. That's crazy. Yeah, I know. And it's so, like, thanks, you... Grandpa. I, uh, I don't know if I can live up to that. <laughs> <laughs> so have you lived in America all your life then? Yeah, yeah. I mean, but in the military I traveled a bit, but nowhere glamorous. I went to not nice places. So are you in the North America or South? Where, where are you? Uh, I'm in North America. I'm in uh, northern Indiana near Michigan. Oh, Indiana. Okay. How do you find life there? Pardon? How do you find life where you live? Uh, pretty boring. Is it a nice place to live? Uh... It used to be. 
I don't know. After COVID, to be honest, um, everybody's got their head down, you know? Um, yeah, in a screen normally. And, uh, well, I don't know how you guys feel about the pulse of the earth right now and just what you're feeling. But it's like there's a shoe getting ready to drop here soon, you know? And, yeah. and we're in for another big change. Yeah, I feel that the same. And do you feel that that big change is going to be a negative or a positive? Um, well, in the end, I believe it'll be a positive. Me too. Okay. But I have this feeling that it's going to cause us to have to go backwards to go forwards. But it's like a one a step shift. back, yeah. step forward, type of thing. If we go backwards. We're going to have to learn how to do things like we, mm-hmm. you know, um, we're going to have to learn how to do things for ourselves. We won't have this life of convenience, and right. we're going to have mm-hmm. to rely on the old ways, maybe even the barter system. It, it's in some respects, and. And people are going to have to relearn skills, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're going to have to bring something to the table. Um, because there's there's this great big scary world that's staring us in the face with um, artificial intelligence that's and robotics. Right. Mm-hmm. We're not ready for it. Mm-hmm. We're not ready for it. Um, and, and if we don't get control of it, it'll get control of us. I was going to touch up on that, yeah. And if you understand anything about the New World Order and the people that have been running the show behind the curtain. Yeah, of course it's scary. It's been going on for a very long time, and they've got an endgame strategy right now. Phase one was COVID. Phase two is this nuclear threat we're going through right now. Phase three will be a faked nuclear, uh, faked alien invasion known as Project Bluebeam. Correct. Uh-huh. And people's heads are going to explode. Yeah. Aliens don't frighten me, humans do. <laughs> well, it's obvious that they've been taught to be obedient. Um. I couldn't believe how many people will wear that damn mask, you know, or take that freaking injection that's not been proven. And I found out what was in it and it ain't good. And I hope you haven't taken it. And if you have, don't take any more. It's no good. And, and, and I'm telling you from a guy that, has had more needles in his arm because I had to be inoculated for worldwide mobility in special ops. All right. I was get, I mean, we had a shot board and I mean, I was just wanting to play beach volleyball all the time. And my arm was always sore from taking a shot. Mm. And I swore when I got out, I'd never take another shot and I never have. 
Mm. And this shot this shot was created before the virus was let loose. With um with that and as you said the twins are now learning psychology as well. Um all all goodwill to them. I really hope they succeed in that venture. Um but what I've noticed that's coming into practice at the moment is you said about the AI and if we're not careful, that will control us. Well, what fascinates me is we had a whole segment in Cambridge University that really delved deep into AI in, in, in respect of diagnosis for mental health, whether it be, um, PTSD, whether it be bipolar or all of the, all of the general. And that actually frightened me because I, I really think that you cannot get away from, and don't get me wrong, with the neuroscience tech, it's phenomenal how you can see someone's brain activating with certain stimuli and things like that. But when then they come off that machine and they talk into a computer and then that computer tells them what is wrong with them, to me, that is a recipe for disaster because you cannot and will not be able to replace humanity. Not at all. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, my coaching is very much to do with the person. Um, it's a centered approach. It's the person approach. Like if I'm AI, I am unable to show empathy, but what I can show is maybe what they believe is facts. It's not always factual because you haven't got the empathy size Correct. or the evidence Correct. to then back that up. Mm-hmm. Okay, I wanna I wanna throw something out there. I remember back in high school I can't remember Jeez. I think it was biology class, Mr. Baumgartner. He explained to us that Humans really only use 10% of their brains. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm under the understanding that I've already moved from the third to the fourth dimension trying to get to the fifth. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Love it. And you will get a doubling you'll go to 20. And this is God-given. And this is how we're going to combat AI and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, that's been outfitted to eradicate us. Because what we need to understand is we're entering the fourth industrial revolution And the fourth industrial revolution doesn't require all the people that the third industrial revolution did. You know, everything that we have now. 
the skyscrapers, the automobiles, all this. Every everything can be replaced. Mm-hmm. So they just don't need us. So COVID was phase one. The nuclear threat will be phase two. War. And then they're going to fake an alien invasion. And why, why do you, what, what's the, what's the bigger picture here that you're pointing out? What, what, why do you think they're doing this? I'm interested. They don't need us and they don't want us around. They want to get rid of us because they just don't want, they don't, they, they look down on us. They're evil. They're Luciferians, man. Right. So, with regards to the, um, with the 10% thing, yeah, of us using our brain, um, there's, there's a thing that we done this, the, the imaging on, um, and is fMRI. So, it's functional magnetic, ma- magnetic resonance imaging. So, what it does, it picked up actually that we use around about 18%, not 10. But that then leads me to think, well, if we're only using 18%, and let's say the super geniuses of the world, right? Let's go to Einstein, <laughs> 20%. What is that 80% actually doing? And what the study showed was that when we're sleeping and when we're resting, our percentage, it woke up the other side in the sense of a 2% increase, which made our brain function from 18 to 20, or let's call it the super intelligence, if you like. I don't know where that came from, but that's what is there. They went from 20% to 22%. So looking at the studies of when we're actually sleeping, it actually increases brain health and brain thought with the way that it processes ready for the next day. And I find that very interesting in the sense of when you have someone who suffers with insomnia, very, it's very likely, not all the time, but it's very likely that these people who suffer with insomnia have an increase of stress levels, high blood pressure, other health issues. And that's because the brain isn't rejuvenating itself to that 2% that it obviously needs. And absolutely, absolutely. Um, what you need is deep REM sleep. REM sleep. And what I find quite interesting that leads into what you're describing there with having this hierarchy of um, where they don't need us. Um, I'd love it if you could just briefly explain to me when you say they and us, just, just briefly explain that to me, please. Okay. Um, you know how I was talking about being proud of my bloodline? Yeah. We're all part of a certain bloodline. But there are bloodlines that are been running the show for a very long time. And they subscribe to Lucifer. Um, it's how they draw their power. 
uh, they operated at Titan level. Um, they do some very nasty things in order to do that. They sacrifice babies and children. Um, when the truth comes out, I don't think people are going to be able to handle it. it. It's so grotesque and heartbreaking and It'll, jeez. Okay, okay. So, so who's the us then, Jeff? Us are the ones that are the remnant. We are the remnant. We are of a certain bloodline that will hold the line. We will not bow to evil. Okay, that that's interesting. So what you're saying then is this hierarchy, they're hoping that AI would overtake the us. Is that what you're getting at? Pretty much. So with regards to road sweepers, with regards to people who work in factories and warehouses and mechanics, all that will be robotics, yeah? Out of work. Out of work, man. Interesting. So do you think that's why psychology, for instance, that's down the doctor doctor side of things? Are you suggesting as well that AI could potentially replace our medical staff? Absolutely. Wow. Right, okay. So you're, you're seeing then, or you're... You're visionarying this ideal of a hierarchy that underneath these people who are living now comfortably. The hierarchy, the hierarchy is known as Luciferians. Okay. They're of, they're of a very long ancient bloodline. So rather than them controlling the steady eddies of the world, the general population, they will rule AI instead. Well, they used this for the third industrial revolution. The fourth industrial revolution doesn't require us. They want all the real estate. What do you think happened in Hawaii, in Maui? I'm not sure. Educate me, please. It was a direct energy weapon. Right. Do you know everything that was blue didn't burn? Did you know everything burned, but the trees are still standing with leaves on them? So what was the narrative they were pushing at me? They wanted the real estate. Right, okay. Obviously, in the UK, I'm not really clued up on all of the news in America, so forgive my... Okay, okay, listen. It's not just... It was also to test the weapon on a piece of real estate they wanted. Did you hear about the Canadian wildfires this summer? Oh, yeah, that happened too. I did, yeah, yeah. 
unprecedented. Did you know here in Indiana we had don't go outside because there was so much smoke from them and they were hundreds of miles away? Yeah, they were saying it was blowing over America, wasn't it? <laughs> All over. Unprecedented. Never before. Oh, over here, they were saying that um, that you were all at great threat of um, suffocation from the smoke. And, and, and that's all they talked about was the smoke. They didn't talk about the fire or where it was. Ah. Think about that. Think about the fact that they weren't even showing us pictures of the fire. They didn't show us where it was in Canada. It was the bigger... Bigger story was the smoke. Right. Where the smoke, there's fire. Well, well, well. <laughs> there's no smoke without the fire. fire. Yeah. It's questions like, oh. like I, I deal with firefighters quite a bit. Um, <clears throat> so the the fire the fire that happened in Australia that burnt uh, almost of the eucalyptus that was there. Um, that fire did the same thing that the fire in uh, in Maui did. It burned on the on the ground, and the cars that caught fire melted. Right, all, all the components in them melted. Uh, it, well, and the thing is, is that the components in a car that melt, they actually melt at a very low temperature. We just seem to think that they're they're metal and they should they should stay a solid. But most of the components in a car are soft metals, and, and they melt at fairly low temperatures, um, the, it, inclu- including and especially rims. Rims are a very soft uh, soft alloy. Yeah, um, alloy. The Not weird that. thing that, that people were talking about in Australia was that the trees themselves, all they did was kind of change color. The leaves were still on them, and it, it looked like they had just kind of been around some smoke, but everything underneath the trees had burned, and that's just how wildfires work. Uh, it's it's worked like that for for millennia. The entire time I've been alive, when a when a forest fire or a, a brush fire or a wildfire happens, it burns on the ground. It doesn't burn up in the canopy, that's, and that's anything that's on the ground burns up. That's, that's the, the cars burn up, the houses burn up, the trees themselves tend to not burn up. They're, they're designed, their natural defenses against fire prevent them from burning up so that they can survive a forest fire. It's similar to like us having an immune system for, for being sick. Trees have that for fire. I can see that they just start. They they pull moisture out of the ground, and it just it just goes to the areas that are getting cooked. Wow! But I, I, I see that kind of stuff all the time. The the difference is is that now we've got a bunch of people that have never seen that kind of stuff before, and they and they all make these snap judgments about it. Everything I saw, with the exception of some blue stuff not burning and I do say some because I did see some that that did burn as well Um, like that was that was really the only difference that I've seen from the pictures that I saw of Maui and what I see in any kind of 
wildfire that's gone through uh, the forest in the Pacific Northwest, or even when it was in uh, in Clackamas County, and it was actually like running through the populated area of the county, like people's whole like everything on their property would burn except for the trees. <laughs> Except for the trees, and except like there was places that, that had uh, that actually had umbrellas that would be sitting by the pool, and it'd be the only thing that wouldn't burn. And I, I did see that in Maui too. Okay, then that's that's good to know. That was a good um, insight. Yeah, I'm aware of that. But you do know that coniferous trees, pines, they'll burn up. They'll burn up in the forest fires that we're so, so yeah, and I live so where I live it's Douglas Firs. Douglas Firs the pine trees that are taller, they tend to live. The ones that are lower to the ground, yeah, ones that are taller and the ones that are lower to the ground, um, they end up getting burned up. But I I wanna know how the metal melted. Um, because there's a, there's lots of parts of cars that are plastic, and those burn at a very high temperature, and it's very localized. So if the rubber from a tire catches fire, just the rubber itself burning creates more than enough heat to melt the uh, the alloy that makes up the rim. These were fast-moving fires. Fast-moving fires. Cars cars burn up because people are smoking cigarettes on them. (laughs) It doesn't take hardly anything to catch those things on. Are you still there? Yeah, he muted maybe because of the noise. Oh. Well, he brought up some good points. Yes, uh-huh. That I'll take into consideration. However, I've talked to people that were there and uh I've seen some footage and it wasn't normal. I mean, it was not a normal fire. I mean, I've never seen any bushfires where I am or anything like that. So I'm definitely not educated enough to have a point of view. (laughs) Well, that's why I I listen to the guy. That's where you come to the middle and you consider what he has to say. Yeah, definitely. But I'm still prone to believe there's, there was something, something doesn't feel right about it. Something doesn't feel right about it. 
And uh, some doesn't feel right about those Canadian fires or the ones in Australia. Um, a lot of these floods we're having, I think they've figured out a way to manipulate our weather. Uh, I don't know if you guys know what chemtrails are. No, I haven't heard of that. Well, it's interesting. It's kind of a big deal over here. Okay. In Indiana, where you live? All over the continental United States. Okay. Um, the jets are spewing... Um, it's something to do with condensation trails, in it, by aircraft and stuff? Yeah, but it's weird. Yeah. And we've started to notice... that they're actually dumping heavy metals into the atmosphere that drop into the earth. And we're starting to get soil samples that show it. Yeah. And I don't know if they're just trying to poison us. I don't even think the pilots know what, what's going on. Well, I think they, um, obviously at the moment, everyone is putting it down to conspiracy theories. Um, because I, I do remember, the, the, a little touch-up on it was about the government using, like, aircraft to secretly spray chemical or biological agents into the atmosphere. Thing past them. Pardon? And, 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 and I love the term conspiracy theory. They've made yeah. it sound like you're a batshit crazy person, right? <laughs> well, they're but very good at that. Take, the, take those two words apart. Conspiracy. How many conspiracies have there been in history? Well, history's built on them. Yeah. And then how about the word theory? What's wrong with the word theory? Mm -hmm. Or theoretical? Mm-hmm. Okay, so why are those two words put together and now they equal your nuts? Yeah, and unfortunately, the general consensus is if anyone does have a theory that is against any type of establishment movement, you can be labeled as a crazy person. Because you go against the narrative. Because you go against the narrative. Yeah, spot on. And that's why I always find it great to sit on the fence and let, i.e., you add your point of view right. on the fire. The reflect that you were talking about. Mm -hmm. Or Robert, sorry, he came on and he said his point. And I, I was intrigued to sit back and just learn. Yeah, so was I. And I was like, you know what? It'd be great to know that this was a spontaneous, natural thing, but there was a lot of other activity that was involved with that. No yeah, water. There, there was, and what, what's weird is that, especially when electrical companies are involved, um, they do weird stuff, too. <laughs> and um, all I saw out of uh, what happened in Maui, um, 
I don't, I don't know anything about like the way they were run, running traffic because I don't know the area. Uh, but when they, they will shut freeways down to deal with wildfires, and in a place that that has a lot of wind in it, they they really can't control it. Um, and, and fire will run downhill if that's the way that the wind is going. Uh, it runs. It runs up canyons. It runs down canyons. It just entirely depends on the way the wind is. But like, uh, water not. Yeah, I can't hear you. You're cracking up. There's a calamity of errors here that happened out there. You know, a lot of different things um, just I mean I think it's, yeah, those, those calamities it's weird because those calamities here happen all the time. Um, you know, they'll, they'll shut stuff down because there's because a, a, a pole has been hit by a car and it starts a fire, and they'll shut the freeway down. But we don't end up, you know, we're not in a, in a closed environment like, like that area is. That area is literally in a closed environment. And if they, like, I don't know why they couldn't get out the other side. That makes no sense to me, unless everybody was coming in. But, um, but yeah, the last, the, They'll absolutely shut it down so that they can deal with the immediate fire, and then it jumps. And if they don't have, if they don't know how to handle it, they become overwhelmed extremely quickly. And the next thing you know, you're dealing with multiple structure fires, and, and no way to no way to handle it, no way to to stop it from going. And you've sealed yourself into a box. Um, uh, we had uh, a bunch of firefighters uh, try dealing with some stuff and ended up getting stuck in a canyon and uh, getting cooked alive because they they misjudged something and, it, and the fire went around them and they didn't realize that it had happened until it was too late. Uh, but in a place like Maui where they don't deal with that kind of stuff all the time, you know, you just you make judgments based on what you already know, and if you don't know that the fires tend to do that in a wildfire situation, you're you're already behind the eight ball. And I, I, when I was watching the news, I was like, well, that that's a mistake they made. That's a mistake they made. That's a mistake they made. I, I still don't know why they were locking Peter. You know, trying to keep people in place. Other than they were trying to move equipment around, and, and people were injuring them, getting engines given out. Like that's the only thing I can think of, but I, I didn't see anything like that. That's that's not being reported on the news, which is which is kind of weird that they wouldn't uh, they wouldn't do that. But on the other hand, it's being overwhelmed by by people saying, "Well, it was intentionally started." I don't see the evidence evidence of that. For me personally, I see. Electrical fire, they got caught up with wind, they got out of control faster than they had any idea how to deal with it. And for a, a fire department as small as they are, it can happen in a matter of minutes, especially with wind is involved and hot temperatures. 
you know, you get mock wings on top of it, and you just roll the dice, multiply, and multiply, and multiply, and there you go. Well, your summation is that this was a natural fire that included... No, 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 no. This. This was caused by the electrical like that, that, like they're even admitting that. And like where I live, we get fires that are caused by our electrical company all the time, all the time. Uh, power power lines, but um, but no, 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 no. I'm I'm just I'm just trying to follow with what you're saying, and that is that this is. You know, it was a fire that got out of control. They were ill-prepared to handle such of an event. And the proper procedures were not in place. And I think... Correct. Yeah, that's 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 my assessment of it. Just, just having been through a few wildfires and forest fires myself. And I, I think sometimes that when, when, when you add logic to any type of catastrophe, which can be very powerful, that can sway people to think other things as well. So I, I find it all fascinating. Well... Where do you guys think the next one's going to strike? Hmm. My God. Brazil. Brazil. I mean, because the hits Brazil. just keep on coming. Brazil or Mexico? <laughs> no, I, I'm pretty sure it'll be, it'll probably be Southern California, especially because the insurance companies are pulling out. Um, I mean, what's weird is the insurance companies have a lot of say when it comes to, um, like, fire districts, water districts, um, because they make the policy, right? The firefighters, when they make, when the, when the insurance companies say you have to have this, this, and this on your property, or we won't insure you. That stuff is extra over and above what the fire department say is code. Um, you know, it's, it's like having a like having a trampoline in your house. Nobody's going to tell you you can't have a trampoline in your house except for an insurance company. They don't want it happening. So, so when they're saying, "Hey, it's too much of a." It's too much of a hassle to even be in California. I, I could easily see California being next because people are just going to start slacking because they no longer have to follow what the insurance company got hit by a lot of rain. Okay, so that is going to feed the vegetation. Okay, and that vegetation is going to grow. All right, and this is a perpetual problem they've had out there for decades and decades. Um. The vegetation grows, and they just had an, a massive amount of rain out there. Uh, they had that storm that they never really get. And so 
when that stuff grows and then it dries out, you know, they don't get any more. And then, you know, it's going to burn. And when it burns, then it rains, then there's mudslides, and it, it just keeps happening over and over and over. And but also, just, uh, Jeff, it's quite interesting as well, isn't it? Like um, like Robert was saying there about the insurance side of things. Um, if you could easily weave this web of, like you said, the hierarchy in the sense of they then control insurance policy. They use what's known as deductive reasoning. That Yes, yeah, spot on. That's what I was getting at. Wow. Yeah. So with that, and then comes the logic side of things, because if they can prove something logically, then it's very hard for anybody to try then and say, well, however, this, that, and the other. Well, that's because people, um, I mean, it's, they, they want what they want. And, um, I've been telling people for the last four years that they have this thing stuck in their heads called normalcy bias. Has anybody ever heard of that term? Yeah. Continue, Jeff. Yes. Yes. Normalcy bias is when you're biased towards things being normal, even though the writing's on the wall and we got a lot of trouble. It's because non-logical thought scares the hell out of people. There has to be logic for a human brain to understand exactly what it is they're supposed to do because they can be easily led into a way of comfort and security. Right. And, and, and the way to control them is through obedience. So with that in mind, normalcy bias is otherwise known as the ostrich effect. That's where an ostrich sticks its head in the sand and doesn't think anybody can see it, even though it's great big bodies <laughs> hanging right out there. Um, it figures that if... I can't see them. They can't see me. Um, but anyway, and, and and that's not even true either. Ostriches actually don't do that. No, but, the problem uh, is, though, that they do have is now and again, you have these meerkats who are raising up and they're having a good old look around and a poke around, and they don't like it. Yeah. Well, they're pretty smart. They're very smart. Yeah, they know how to call out danger to the to everyone. They do. They're just poking up and having a look. And that's where I think you get people sometimes, and this is what I mean about labeling, is if you have something in your mind where you think something doesn't smell right here and you look into it, as soon as you go against the narrative, unfortunately, and this is where it doesn't open up debate then, because you're labeled as a lunatic. Right. Correct. And, 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 and have a debate. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's what it is. And I'm willing to accept, um, the gentleman, if he's still on here, um, yeah. and obviously he knows more about firefighting than I ever will. But, um, you know, it's still, 
if 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 anything, it was a tragic calamity of errors, mm. or it was something else. It did, but the thing is, is sometimes it takes someone to see something in order to open up dialogue. Yeah, and then root around a little bit, you know? Exactly. Because then you can open up that dialogue and you, another person might turn around and say, oh, do you know what, I totally disagree with that, really. I think this is the logic behind it. Or, okay, we move on, no problem. You might see something else further down the line and that same person says, actually, I think you're right there. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you've got ten people and they're all thinking, hang on a second, something isn't quite right here. T.I.K. Radio. Bye-bye. And until the next life. T.I.K. Radio.